0: Thursday night football, Vikings-Eagles. It's week two. It's the defending NFC champions already without their secondary and versus Justin Jefferson. What we might have in store for us tonight. And Acuna in the face of Philadelphia. This Atlanta team is a machine. Let's go around the horn. Mm. It's going to take a wrecking ball to keep them out in the World Series. Acuna time. What a wonderful day. Start with tonight's football game, Vikings at Eagles. Philly could be without three defensive starters from last week. And also featured rusher Kenneth Gainwell. It's a shocking amount of attrition for week two. And they had that sluggish second half while beating New England. On Minnesota's side, they aired it out in week one. Justin Jefferson had a huge first half, but then nothing really in the second And Minnesota didn't have the weight up enough to stop Baker Mayfield. They lost to Tampa. Tim, that's how they go in. Expectations for tonight and the number one thing that will subside this game. Around the horn to you.
1: I think the game being played in Philadelphia will have a lot to do with it, Tony. I think we'll see a lot different Eagles team. This reminds me of last year when the Eagles started with a pretty sloppy win in Detroit. 38-35, 38-35, I believe, where they, they the defense didn't look like it had much. And then they got home, and, and the, the way they get off the, the line of scrimmage uh, at home and, and what that does to the visiting offensive line is a completely different animal. And and I think Kurt Cousins would be under siege anyway. They're going to be missing one, maybe two offensive linemen. To me, that makes up for a lot of the Eagles' deficiencies. But I still don't know – Exactly who this Eagles team was last week—that could not run the ball at all, with any consistency—and they were number one in the league running it last year. So I don't think they're going to get all the way back to last year's level, but close enough to win comfortably. This is
2: Rio Gutierrez. Yeah, it's just really hard to gauge. It's not just week one, but it's week one against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So you've got him you know, preparing for you the entire preseason, essentially. So my concerns are more on the Minnesota side, sort of watching that game against Tampa Bay. Yes, the first half, Justin Jefferson targeted a bunch. And then in the second half, it wasn't just that he wasn't targeted after Kirk Cousins had that late second quarter interception. It was also the Vikings defense that couldn't get off the field. These long drives by Baker Mayfield, who said he supposedly knew the, the defensive calls at that, point in the second half and so that minnesota vikings defense is supposed to get better against the eagles who are trying to ramp up after last week i don't think so and tim mentioned with the uh, maybe two offensive linemen missing including the left tackle and darisaw that's not great for kirk cousins who's not the most mobile quarterback ever so given his history in prime time this just has the makings of just a bad game for the vikings
3: clinton yates Yeah, there may be question marks, but last week one team won playing tonight, and last week the other team did not, so my question marks remain with the Vikings and what that offensive line can do to keep Cousins upright, because in general, that is not a dude who inspires a lot of confidence in people in primetime games, I'm sorry. The guy's in like his 10th year in the league, and he's still talking about how it's on me to put together the basics of getting 75 plays together to win a football game. It doesn't feel like the Vikings have as much confidence in themselves as they should. Jefferson didn't have a great game last year, but I do think that defensive line of the Eagles is going to be what the difference is and dominate the Vikings. And Woody Page.
4: It comes down to two quarterbacks. Hurts last week didn't run the football. He only ended up picking about 20, 25 yards up. And he didn't throw the ball down the field. They had no pass that was beyond 20 yards. So he's got to actually take over that running game a bit more since the game well is going to be out of the game probably, and he's going to have to throw the ball down the field against this Vikings team. On the other side, in terms of Cousin, last week he was second in the league with 73% of his plays being pass plays. You can't beat the Philadelphia Eagles on the road if you're gonna throw seventy three percent of the time. And in regard to Jefferson, last year he had problems against Slay. I think that happens again. I think because of the Philadelphia Eagles having uh secondary problems on injuries, that they're gonna to say to Slay, just pick him up on every play, because last year he defended him on six, seven plays. He ended up not giving up a reception and interception. All right, play. so th- you
0: answered the all questions there, Woody Page. The secondary issues, if they are, in fact, issues. Philadelphia elected to go with a new secondary in a lot of ways from last year, and now they have the injuries. But you think you got Slay, you got enough to get past Justin Jefferson. Make a pick for the game, Tim Kalishaw.
1: Uh Because of their pass rush, Eagles 27-10. to 10.
2: Israel Gutierrez. I've got the Eagles by double figures. Clinton Yates.
3: Eagles at home, better team just like last year. Beat them down. Woody Page. Eagles close. We'll move on. Atlanta clinching the NL East and
0: enjoying it in Philly's face. 96 wins, 16 games left. Could they get to 106, 108? Home field throughout seems certain. The lineup will set the home run record. Spencer Schreider dealt again last night. He's going to lead the league in strikeouts. Olson. Leads the league in home runs and RBIs. Acuna leads the league in stolen bases. Is a possible MVP. National panel. I think you all will agree. This Atlanta team may be the favorites. Are the favorites for the World Series? Forget the favorites for a second. Is this Atlanta team the best Atlanta
3: team we've ever seen around the horn? Clinton Yates. You know my favorite metric in this game, and there's one way that they can be. They've scored 109 first-inning runs in this season. If they get to 127, that'll be the club record that they set in 1999 when they went back to the World Series. That's what this team does. They get up on you early and often, and I think that's what makes them so hard to beat. It's not just all the way down to the top of the lineup. It's that you get out there, inning two, you're down five runs, great. Now you got to deal with one of their dominant pitchers who's simply going to dice you up. This team is about as good as I've seen in the last decade in Major League Baseball. Okay, as good as you've seen a team in the last decade. Let's go to that question I
0: asked, though. Don't dodge it. The Atlanta franchise, you know about the 20 straight division crowns in the 90s and and now six straight here. You know about the lack of World Series wins they had in that decade, though, and then the most recent World Series, Clinton. Is this the best team, though?
3: I think this is the best team, and the reason is if you can get rid of a guy like Freddie Freeman and bring in a dude who was just as good as him but about a decade younger and he can still play as well as he does, well, then, you know, you're pretty smart. Alice has done a great job. Woody Page.
4: When I was covering the World Series in the 90s and watching that team with that pitching staff rotation that they had, I, I thought that was the best team that I'd seen in baseball for, for years and years, and they couldn't pull off winning back-to-back World Series, or even a second World Series. And I've watched uh, this team in a three-game series recently, and I went, wow, this is better than that 90s team. But I have to go back, and I'm sorry, I have to go back to 58 when they had uh, Warren Spahn, Lou Burdett, Eddie Matthews, Hank Aaron, Mm. and they beat the Yankees in the World Series. Listen to Woody Cook. That's the best Braves team of all time. This one's second.
0: History lesson from Professor Page, Tim Callishaw.
1: You know, I'm I'm going to go with this is the best Atlanta team. I'll let I'll let Woody stick with Lou Burdett and the fellas from <laughs> Milwaukee. But I, I I'm going to say this that you know they have but it was w- the teams we remember were the Glavin Smoltz Maddox teams, and they rolled out a, a great a Hall of Fame starter night after night. They didn't always have you know Terry Pendleton might have been. Their best offensive player one year. This team is so loaded. They'll have 435 home run hitters as soon as Ozuna hits another one. They've got the starting pitching, the strikeout leader, the bullpen. That doesn't mean, you know, that much because last year the Braves, Dodgers, and Mets were the best teams in the National League and the Padres and Phillies played in the NLCS.
0: Israel Gutierrez.
2: Yeah, I've got to go back to, to my youth and sort of revisit those names that Kalishaw mentioned with Glavin, Maddox and Smoltz. And you go into those games, you would go into those games or a series if you had them all lined up as starters and thinking, man, this is going to be long and drawn out and we're going to have to maybe win a one nothing game. Um, and this team is different. It intimidates you from the beginning, like Clinton said, with those first inning runs. And the difference, the reason I put this team above is, those fourth and fifth games because it's every game this lineup is just a, a nightmare for opposing pitchers and just look at the team numbers they lead MLB in everything homers OB, uh, on base slugging OPS every single statistic and you can't really remember saying that about those Braves teams especially not on the offensive side yes uh, on the pitching side and the starting side they were great but you can't really say they absolutely dominated a side of the ball for an entire season the way this team has I think this is the best Braves team ever a side of the
0: ball. Interesting. Is that an expression I hear often If no. her side of the diamond? I knew maybe. you were going to hang up. Clint no. Yates,
3: please. Michael Harris II was the rookie of the year last year, one of the most yeah. dynamic arms and one of the most ranges in center field. He bats ninth on this team. It's unbelievable.
0: The 282 home runs they have right now leads the league by such a margin that if Matt Olson was just taken out of the lineup completely, and hello, he leads the league at home runs, they would still lead the league at home runs. Kalish, I'll give you the last word.
1: Well, I'm just thinking about the team that won two years ago, uh, won the World Series, upset the Astros if it was an upset, and Ronald Acuna wasn't even playing that season. So, you know, you add him, you add just that element among the other players they've developed since then. This is a much better team. Than the one that won it two years ago.
0: That's night in Philadelphia. You know, that's a rivalry, and Philly knocked out Atlanta last year. And you saw how Acuna went through that and worked through that. I saw this on the big diamond vision in Philadelphia. Couldn't believe it. Philly is wow. congratulating hmm. Atlanta for their division championship. That's some brotherly nice. love. We'll see if, it, if how it plays out in the postseason. Buy or sell next.
5: Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want.
2: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17.
0: Oh, it's always fun when we have to come back to the stage for a correction here. Woody Page, you had the 1958 Milwaukee team, the Atlanta franchise being their greatest of all, that was a team that lost the World Series. It was the '57 team that won the World Series uh, against the Yankees in seven. Same
4: lineup, same lineup,
0: years. same lineup. But I think you would say the team, team that won the World Series had a better year. I think you would agree on that. Well, we'll move on. Better just, not just the rounding, everybody. It's fine. Buy or sell one. <laughs> I
3: told him I took my hat off, and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught
0: Oh, boy. And some applause for the lot. Colorado State coach Jay Norvell right in the face of Deion Sanders before this weekend's Colorado State-Colorado game. Woody Page, you will be there. This is your account as far as pregame game material goes. Fair or foul from Norvell to call out Dion? wise or unwise?
4: It was not very smart, honestly. He should know better having been in uh, Reno with the University of Nevada. He knows about odds, and their odds are just miserable against CU. But last week, Matt Rule put, a, put his team on the CU logo at midfield, and guess what happened to them? You don't want to really shake that cage and, and shake up the quarterback and his father.
0: Tim Galisha.
1: This was definitely foul. You know, I knew big things were coming to Colorado as a freshman there in 1973. <laughs> I didn't know it would take 50 years. I thought Billy Waddy would be more involved in the turnaround. But now that they've got this team, yes. Are the Buffs going to blow them out? Yes. So you believe a... this
0: little pregame chatter just increases the idea. amount that Colorado will be yeah. colorlessly. All right. Israel, Colorado State comes in as an underdog up against Dion. Is it all right for Jay Norvell to mix it up a little
2: bit? Oh, I think it's fair. I mean, when somebody comes at you with heat or with some extra sauce like Dion does, what are you gonna do? Just cower and back up? No, you just give him something back. Whether or not it's not like you can pick on his team. His team's been performing well, so just go ahead and go at Dion now. Is it wise? No, no, it's terribly unwise, and you're probably going to lose by 10 more points than you would have normally. So, But, yeah, if you're a coach and you just got to, you know, dig your feet in and stand up for your team, yeah, go ahead. Clint Yates, how'd
3: you see? To be clear, he said a lot of kind things about Prime earlier in that conversation that we obviously didn't get to, but this was not the play call. This was the execution. You went with a bad diss, and you opened yourself up to Deion possibly dissing your mother. You don't do that when you're dealing with one of the best trash talkers of all time. Not smart, playboy.
0: Fire Cell sell too, baseball news of the day. Boston Red Sox firing Kyan Bloom, the team's chief baseball officer. He was brought in four years ago after the team won a World Series, after Dave Dombrowski was let go, to undo some of the big contracts and start a rebuild. You'll know this is when they traded Mookie Betts. First step <laughs> uh, that was from ownership most reports say, but that has not gone well. In his time in charge, the Sox were five games over 500, made the
3: playoffs once. Clinton, does this make sense for Boston? Not to me, and it brought back the question that for me, why did, it, Dan, did you fire Dombrowski? What exactly happened there? Because he went to the Phillies and they look pretty good, and Boston is becoming a team where they think their GM hire has to be the sexiest hire of all time. That hasn't worked out so well. Just pick a guy, stick with it. Maybe that means it's not the GM's fault, and it's probably the guy of Woody Page.
4: The Rose being off the bloom is really a mistake. He came in and did exactly what they wanted him to do, which was to reduce the payroll from number one in the league. But it's down like near the middle of the pack now. And they have been in the search for the playoff spot most of the year. I don't think you get rid of him at all. It's the guy down at the Yankees that they should be
0: talking Mm, about. Tim Calishaw.
1: I think the Yankees are a different story with what Cashman has been able to endure. I agree on that. But, but there's enough there for, to make this move on Bloom. Now, he did pay for the, the contracts Tom Browski gave to David Price, to Kimbrell, to Nathan Uvalde. That, that had to bring the payroll down, and that's what cost him Mookie Betts. It's not fair to remember Bloom for that, though.
2: It's Rook I mean, there is a place in sports for a guy like this. He's essentially the wolf from Pulp Pulp Fiction, just come in and clean up the mess. And I think where the Red Sox are looking at this is, okay, look for signs that he can win or can make moves where you're not spending through the roof. And, you know, in these couple of years where you make that one playoff appearance when you're in last place most of the time, probably not a good enough sign to say, hey, when we are spending big, you are going to make the proper decision. So we're going to go ahead and move on.
0: Just because you are a character doesn't mean you have characters for Gutierrez, but that's what I love you for. We'll move on. Max Scherzer out of the regular season and out for maybe the playoffs now for the Texas Baseball Club. News came out as a gut shot yesterday. Team responded in a big game, beating Toronto 10-0 to hold on to their wild-card spot. These last 17 games are going to be great, huh? The two AL wild-card spots up for grabs between these two teams in Seattle in the AL West race. Also up in the air, but Texas with no Scherzer, who was 4-2, and sub-1 whip for them since they traded for him. Tim Kalashaw, this is your account. What is this for Max? What does this mean for Texas now? Looking ahead.
1: It's a heavy loss. I mean, he's actually pitched better for, for the Rangers than Verlander has <laughs> for the Astros. And, and it seemed like he would make up for the DeGrom situation. Now they're both out. And you do wonder about Scherzer next year. What, what is the what is the inning total you want him to get to in the regular season if you want him to pitch in the right, you know, in the playoffs? So it's even though this team has a five-game winning streak, longest in baseball. Let's not forget, uh, it's a tough situation. To Israel get. Gutierrez.
2: Yeah, it did feel like after that matchup with Verlander that this was going to be a disaster for Scherzer and and, and Texas, but it turned out pretty decent, as you mentioned those numbers there. Um, I wouldn't pitch him in the playoffs. I wouldn't bring him back, and if you're Scherzer, you're 39 years old, you're looking at it and saying, all right, I've probably got another year or two. Make sure you make that offseason push and get ready, as Tim said, and sort of manage your season next year for the postseason potentially. I don't think you're seeing the end of Max Scherzer here, and I don't think it's a disastrous necessarily trade. It's just one of those situations where this postseason probably going to do it. When the deal was made, I sat on this very show and I said, you
3: can't depend on Max Scherzer to make it all the way through the season. And unfortunately, that's what ended up happening. I also said that I thought the Rangers would be fine because I thought this was a good team before they picked him up. Whatever they were going to be, they'll still be, as Tim noted, with their five-game win streak. But Scherzer was never going to be a difference maker and isn't. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, you, so you don't question their their playoff status right here with this losing a Hall of Fame pitcher they just acquired from the trade line. Woody Page, how about you? A Hall of
3: Fame pitcher who often doesn't throw in the World
0: Series.
4: I don't know that he's through for the year. After doing my research, he had 17 games that he started that he pitched at least six or seven innings. So I don't think his career is over. Israel, I think he does have something left in the tank and he's had a good year up until now. And I think he'll try to come back if they go far in the playoffs.
0: Tim,
1: So I'm going to put it all on tonight's game. If they sweep Toronto, they're going to be a wild card putting it all on one game it's a
0: must-win game it's one game. It's, one well, it's great that they're tonight. playing each other and the way the schedule works out the al west everybody's playing each other too they've won five straight the longest winning streak in baseball as tim kalisho said which came after a losing streak after tim kalisho went in the paper and said they were a playoff team we gotta get out of here tim you're still gonna survive but that'll be it for Clayton and israel Close. go down woody tim next Ooh.
2: Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
3: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: We talked about teams in the AL East earlier. Now let's talk about the top of the AL East and wild card. Rays and Orioles begin a four-game series. Baltimore leading the the division by two games. Tampa topped the wild card. This four-game series could go a long way to know the playoff matchups. Tim Kalisha, what will we be talking about come Monday?
1: The Orioles still have those great hitters, and they're bringing up a man, Eston Kirstead from Arkansas. But Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay, 20-9 the last month. They're going to win three out of four. The Rays are going to win the division. Oh, Baltimore's Tim, you've got
4: it so wrong. If you look at the pitching matches over this uh, series, you'll see that Baltimore has the better pitching staff, at, particularly at home. And you can't wait for that second game in the series when it's Zach against Jack. That's a fact, Jack and Tim. <laughs> I
0: can't wait. I'm just blown away at Tim breaking down the prospects that are playing in this series. We'll move
3: on. Showdown right. two. Man, I'm very excited, man. We bulldogs and we're ready to bite. All right. All right. All right. All right. You see, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to
0: Alabama go. Alabama AM coach Connell Maynor. Woody, once again, as far as pregame material goes, wise or unwise here to bark like a dog?
4: This is so incredibly wise. Who let the dog out? Well, we know about his mark, but what kind of bite is he going to have Saturday? All right, Tuesday?
0: thank you, Dr. Seuss. All right, this was okay. But this
4: was this was not Baylor's Grant Taff
1: telling the joke about how you catch all the fish and then spitting a worm out and saying, "You got to keep the worms warm." That's how you fire up a oh, team, right. Right. as he did when Baylor beat Texas.
0: Oh, the places you won't go, what he paid. Tim Callish, thirty seconds of Facetime. <laughs>
1: Oh, thank you, Anthony. Uh, I've been, probably made fun of Brooklyn and its hipster vibe a few times on this show. Let me just say this. I just spent the greatest weekend in Brooklyn. The joy of taking my daughter, Rachel, down the aisle to marry her soulmate, Carlos Kramer. My son, Ben, officiating the wedding with his partner, Michael, sitting with my wife, Shannon and I. Tony Reale may have been involved somewhere in this weekend as well as Pablo, but it was it was as good a time as could possibly be had. Thank you to the White Hotel and the food at Colonia Verde and
0: all the people in Brooklyn, hipsters though they may be, it was tremendous. And congratulations, of course, to Rachel and Carlos and to Mr. Tim Kalishaw, Father of the Bride. And to Willis Kalisha, grandfather of the bride. We love you, oh, Willis. Why not?